The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Awesome. Thank you, Rosie. Well, good morning, guys. Welcome to church. Um, for those who don't know me, my name is Shane, and I will be preaching this morning as we continue our series in Philippians, looking at this letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi that he actually planted several years earlier. But uh, yeah, I get to preach this morning, I get to continue uh, this series. I think we've been in here for about six weeks in Philippians, and as you might have heard, it's a bit of a strange passage this morning. It seems like kind of travel plans, as Paul is saying, hey, I want to send Timothy to you, but maybe not, and so I'm going to send Epaphroditus instead. And so I want to ask the question this morning, like, what, what's actually going on? Is this just travel plans? Or is there something more specific that Paul is trying to say to the church at Philippi? And really, God wants us to see this morning. And so before I get into that, I just want to pray and uh, ask the Lord would speak through me. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for it is alive and active. And as we open it this morning, I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you open our ears to hear what you have to say this morning, that we might leave to change people, that we might leave as a change body becoming more and more like Jesus. And I pray this in his powerful and holy name. Amen. Amen. So back in 2019, pre-pandemic, Lauren and I went on a holiday to Italy. And we had about three and a half, four weeks to spend there. And so we wanted to do as much as we possibly could traveling through Italy. We couldn't decide if we wanted to do a cruise or just drive around. So we just thought, you know what, went in Rome. And so we did both. So we kind of flew into Rome and we drove across and then we, we got on a cruise and we kind of traveled around to a few like Greece and Santorini, a few places. And then we got back and got back in the car and then we kind of drove around the coastline of Italy. And we just did as much as we possibly could in those kind of three and a half four weeks. I think the longest we ever spent anywhere was maybe two nights because we just wanted to see and do as much as possible. And so to be able to do this, what we did is we put together an itinerary. We kind of figured out, okay, we want to start here. We're going to go here. We're going to do this. When we get there, we're going to go there, and then we're going to travel all around. And I was thinking as I was preparing this, if someone found that itinerary that Lauren and, and I put together, they would learn things about us. Like for instance, they would learn that we were clearly tourists because we're just going to all the tourist attractions. They would learn that we loved the beach and the coastline because every single place we stopped along was on a coastline and near a beach. And they'd also love that we don't like really doing much at all but relaxing because every single place we just relaxed. We just found somewhere that was good to just not do any activities but just chill. Even on the cruise, we just relaxed. And so if someone was to find this itinerary, they would learn things about Lauren and myself. And I think the same is true as we look at this passage of Scripture. We're going to learn things specifically about these two men, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And Epaphroditus is hard to say, so I'm going to call them Tim and Epaph. And so Tim and Epaph, we're going to learn things about these two men that I think Paul is trying to highlight here. Because when we understand any kind of section of a letter, specifically in Philippians and really the whole Bible, we need to remember that these sections, these passages aren't meant to be read in isolation. They weren't meant to be broken up into a 10-week sermon series. But it's easy for you guys to progress and process it if we do that. But they're meant to be read from start to finish. And so what Paul has really been doing here so far in Philippians is unpacking what it means to live as Christ and to die as gain. What it means to partner in the gospel, to rejoice in all things. He's been really showing us that the centrality of the gospel is that Jesus came to earth and died on a cross for you and me. And then as we start chapter 2, as we did a few weeks ago, we see that uh, Paul gives us this example of what it looks like 
to live a humble life. He says we need to have the same mindset of Christ, that even though he was in the form of God, he didn't hold tight to that, but he humbled himself and came down to earth. And he calls us and the church at Philippi to live lives in light of this truth. And he calls this a life worthy of the gospel. And he gives us a few examples of what it means to live a life worthy of the gospel. And in verse 4, he says, let's not count others more significant than ourselves. Let's look to the interest of others over our own. So this is one way that we live a life worthy of the gospel. To live in humility, not looking at our own interests, but the interests of others. And then he goes on to give himself as an example. He says, even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial faith of you, I am glad and I rejoice. So Paul is saying, hey, he has the same mindset of Christ. Even if he is poured out for the sake of the faith at Philippi, he is glad and he rejoices. This is somebody who seeks to live as Christ and to die as God, who understands that Jesus is all that he needs. And then we get to these 12 verses. He's just given us the example of Jesus, how he humbled himself in obedience to death. And now he alone wanted to be humble, to, to give and pour out all that he was that he could serve the church at Philippi. And now we get to these 12 verses and we learn about Tim and Epaph and what I think he's trying to do here is put flesh on this idea. On the flesh on the idea of what it actually looks like on the ground to live lives worthy of the gospel. On the ground, what does it mean to live humble, sacrificial lives to truly believe to live as Christ and to die as gain? And he does that, he does that through Timothy and Epaph. These are two men that really embody everything that Paul says in this letter. Really embody lives transformed by the gospel. These are two extraordinary examples of really, really ordinary men. And so as we look at these two guys this morning, I want us to see three things. Three things that I think as Christians are marks of lives transformed by the gospel. Three things that I think we need to seek to emulate as a church, as a group of believers who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the first thing I think that we need to see and I think that we need to have is Timothy's care and concern for his brothers and sisters. Timothy's care for others. Let's go to 19, verse 19 again. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who is generally concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. So so Paul is saying, hey, I want to send Timothy to you. I have nobody like him, but I just need to hold up for a second because Paul is still in prison and he might need to keep Timothy for a while. But he wants to send Timothy because he has no one like him. Now, most of us would have heard of Tim before. There's two books in the Bible that have his name, First and Second Timothy. But he was a young man who, from an early age, was transformed by the gospel. He had a faithful mother and grandmother that showed him the ways of Jesus. And so he became a Christian at an early age. And then he met Paul on one of Paul's missionary journeys and decided that he's going to give up everything and go with Paul, follow Paul advancing the work of the gospel in the local churches. And he became Paul's kind of like second side man as he traveled around. And he ended up becoming the lead pastor at the church of Ephesus. This little young Timothy. And right here, Paul says, hey, I have no one like him who would generally concern for your welfare. That's a big call. I have no one like him. 
for they all seek their own interests and not those of Jesus Christ. Why was Timothy so special? Why did Paul say, I have no one like him? Because he genuinely cared and was concerned about his brothers and sisters in Philippi. Like he had a genuine love and care for his brothers and sisters in Christ. Like Paul said, hey, I want to go, but I can't. And so the next best thing, he was to send someone who he knew genuinely cared and loved his brothers and sisters in Philippi. Man, I want to be like Timothy. I want Paul to say there's no one like me, right? No, I want to be like Timothy. I want to have a genuine love and concern for my brothers and sisters in this room. See, a lot of people pretend to care. A lot of people pretend to be concerned with, oh, how's your week? Yeah, not too bad. Oh, man, that's all right, yeah. Not Timothy. Timothy genuinely cared. Some people go into ministry pretending to care for the wrong reason. Maybe they're looking for the fame or the popularity. Maybe they want the stage or even the book deal. But Timothy... He genuinely cared for his brothers and sisters in Christ. Do we care for each other in this room? Like, do we actually care? Do we know each other in this room? Like, do you know the person across the room for you? Do you, do you love them? Are you concerned for their welfare in this morning? Like, are you interested in how their faith journey is going? Like, do you care about your brothers and sisters genuinely in this room? Timothy says that we should care. He has a genuine care for one another. Like, are we concerned with how each other's marriages are going, with how each other's finances are going? Are we concerned with how each other's joy in the Lord is? Because Timothy was genuinely concerned and cared about the welfare of his brothers and sisters in Philippi. And I think we need to have that kind of care, that kind of love for one another. There are so many one another's in the Bible. But the, but the symbols are, do we love, do we actually love one another? Like, not just, yeah, I love Lummi as in love and tolerate are the same thing. Like, do we actually love one another in this room? Because I think we need to have that care. We need to have that love. And I think the way we get this is we take our eyes off ourselves and place them in others. We allow the gospel to transform our hearts enough to be able to take our eyes off ourselves for a moment and place them on those around us. See, what's, what's kind of been creeping up in our culture lately is this idea that we love Jesus, but we hate the church. I don't know if you've heard that before. Or like, I'm cool with Jesus, but I don't need Christianity. And while there is so much that is wrong with that statement, I think Paul does something really cool here. Back in verse 4, he says, let, let each of you not look at your own interests, but also the interest of others. And then here, when he speaks about Timothy... He says, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interest. And what we would expect is, and not the interest of others, but what he says is, but not those of Jesus Christ. And so what he is doing in this moment is saying that there is a correlation, there is a connection between loving others and loving Jesus, between serving your brothers and sisters and serving Christ. Because as we serve one another and love one another, we serve and we love Jesus. And if we say that we love and serve Jesus, you cannot help but love and serve and care for your brothers and sisters in Jesus. You cannot have Jesus and not his church. You cannot say you love Jesus and not the body of Christ. So as we seek to lay our lives down, as we seek to love one another, we are laying our lives down and loving Jesus. And as we seek to love Jesus, you cannot help but love one another. Allow your hearts to be transformed by the good news of the gospel. Allow the Holy Spirit to come in, fill you afresh, that you might love and serve one another. 
Church, I think we need more than anything Timothy's care and love for one another. In a world that just says me and I, just says go after your own dreams, do your own thing, be your own man, be your own woman. Paul here says, hey, look, I've got no one like Timothy. He just he doesn't care about himself because he knows Jesus is looking up for him. And because of that, he can love and care his brothers and sisters. So the first thing I think we need is Tim's care. The second thing I think that we see in this, and I think we need to emulate as a church, is both men's sacrificial service to the body. Both Tim and Epaph's sacrificial service to the body of Christ. So these were two men that genuinely believed with all that they were that to live as Christ and to die is gain. Two men that didn't just talk the talk, but actually walked the walk, that heard Jesus' words in Matthew 16. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. These are two men that believe that more than anything. Paul writes, Timothy has proven himself. As a son to a father, he has joined him in gospel ministry. He didn't just say that he cared. He had proven that he cared. He gave up everything to become a missionary with Paul, to love and to serve and to lay his life down for the body of Christ. Sometimes we just give lip service to this idea of love and care and sacrifice. But as a church, I think we need to have both of these men's sacrificial service to one another. To genuinely believe that, hey, when we lose our lives, when we lay our lives down, we're going to find them in Christ. That He is all we need so that we can let go of ourselves, take our eyes off ourselves and live for others. And then we get to Epaph. We read about him from verse 25 onwards. I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So I'm eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice in seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So Epaph was a man who believed really to live as Christ and die as King. He, he literally almost died. Why? Not for his own desires, not for his own hopes and dreams. He almost died for the work of Christ. Serving Paul, serving someone else. This was a life worthy of the gospel. He was so filled with the Spirit, so transformed by the love of Jesus that was able to lay his life down to go. Even in his sickness, he was distressed. Why was he distressed though? Not because he was sick, but because he heard that his brothers and sisters heard that he was sick. Like that's a man who isn't concerned about himself, but others. Look, when I'm sick, and you can ask my wife this, the only thing that I'm concerned about is myself. And when I'm in suffering and pain, the only thought going through my head is how the heck do I get out of here? But Epaphroditus was distressed because he heard his brothers and sisters heard that he was sick. Man, what a life, what a, what a perspective on things. Knowing how to die is gain. 
He was a man who laid his life down, that knew if he lost his life, he would find it in Jesus. And what's cool is that if we live this way, we will experience joy upon joy upon joy. Because whilst the world says, look after yourself, take care of yourself, you are number one. If everybody in this room just did that, if we all looked out for ourselves, we would have one person looking out for us. That'd be ourselves, right? But if we took our eyes off ourselves for a moment, laid them down to love and serve everybody else in the room, yeah, you're not looking out for yourself anymore. But you have a body of believers loving, caring, and laying their lives down for you. You go from one person to a whole family of people laying their lives and caring for you. This is where joy is found in loving one another, in laying our lives down, in sacrificial service to each other. And both Tim and Epaph embodied this. Two men who on the ground live lives worthy of the gospel took their eyes off themselves, trusted in Jesus, that they were able then to lay them down for others. And the only way that we can do any of this is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because what I don't want you to do later on as you leave here is to try and pull your socks up and work harder at loving and, and caring for those around you, trying to do more things. I want you to stop and remember, hey, Jesus has died for you. He has laid his life down that your life may be raised up with him. That now you are free to take your eyes off yourself, free to love and to care and to serve those around you. And so whilst we need to have Tim's care and both of these men's sacrificial service to the body, the last thing I think that we need to have is Epaphroditus significant gospel ministry. Epaph's significant gospel ministry. I think this is something that we see in this passage that as a church, we need to emulate more than anything. Firstly, we don't know a lot about Epaph, right? Not as much as we know about Tim. But what we do know in this, uh, from this book is that he was actually from Philippi. He was a man from Philippi. And then Paul calls him these five titles that seem very, very important. He is a brother and a fellow worker and a fellow soldier and a messenger and a minister. Like, man, what did this guy do? Like, what was his ministry? It seems so significant. Paul even goes on to say, hey, receive this man with all joy and honor such men. Honor him. So what did Epaphroditus do? That was so great. Well, the cool thing is we actually get to read about it at the end of Philippians. In chapter 4, verse 18, it says this, exactly what Epaph did. Paul writes, I have received full payment and more, and I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. Epaphroditus was a mailman. Epaphroditus was a mailman. The church at Philippi put together this care package maybe something to ride or maybe some warm clothes in a small flat white and sent it to Paul. Epaph was just the guy to carry the package. And so to the world, Epaph was just an Uber driver. But to Paul, he was a fellow brother in Christ, a fellow worker in the gospel mission. He was a messenger and a minister of Jesus Christ And he was a soldier as he faced the same battles that Paul faced and fought the same fight that Paul was fighting. 
to advance the gospel. And, and Paul says, that's significant gospel ministry. See, some of us here this morning think that we need a stage or a microphone to do any kind of gospel work. Some of us think we need to go overseas on mission trips or speak to thousands of people to do any kind of kingdom work here on earth. And man, I am convinced more than ever that Jesus is not looking for world changers or planet shakers. He is looking for humble, obedient people willing to lay their lives down and follow Jesus, to serve the brothers and sisters in Christ, to take the message of the gospel to their neighbors, to love those in their workplaces. Because through those people, those humble servants of Jesus, he's going to change the world. I think Jesus is building the local church off the backs of men and women like Epaph. Humble men and women that are just obedient to God's calling and leading. Who just said, hey, I'm going to go because I feel that's what Jesus is calling me to do. Not looking for fame or status, but just humble, sacrificial obedience to the Father willing to take his eyes off himself for a moment and love and serve those around him. I wonder if Epaphroditus knew how significant his ministry was. Because I'm sure he would have thought that his ministry to Paul was significant. You know, you know I'm taking him some, some clothes and some warm stuff. But I wonder if he would realize how significant his trip home was as he went back with some stories, his scars, and the letter to the Philippian church. See, we don't just have Philippians because Paul wrote it. We have Philippians because Epaph traveled home with this letter. See, without Epaphroditus, we don't have a book of the Bible. Without Epaphroditus, we don't have 2,000 plus years of God working through this book to transform lives for his name's sake. Without Epaphroditus, we don't have the letter to the Philippians. I wonder if he knew how significant his trip home was. Man, we will never fully understand how significant our ministry here on this earth is. No matter how big or small your ministry to Jesus and to the local churches, it is significant gospel ministry. If you set a chair out today, that's significant gospel ministry. If you're clicking the buttons or slides at the back, that's significant gospel ministry. If you go home and you love your wife or your spouse, that's significant gospel ministry. If you go and love your neighbor, that's significant gospel ministry. If you're taking care of the kids, we all know that's significant gospel ministry. No matter how big or small your service and obedience to Jesus and his churches, it is significant gospel ministry. You don't need a stage or a microphone or a platform to do significant kingdom work. And Epaph shows us this. Man, without him, we don't have the Philippians. I wonder if he even knew that. But he was obedient to follow Jesus. And that is what Christ is looking for. Humble, sacrificial, obedient people. So yeah, I'm going to love my neighbor. Yeah, I'm going to love my family. Yeah, I'm going to choose not to gossip at school or work. Yeah, I'm going to choose to give to what I feel the Lord is calling me to give towards. And we will never understand the effects of that sacrifice and that service has on eternity, but we trust in a God that is going to use all things for His glory and for our good. And so we as a church should seek to live like these two men. Men who care 
genuinely for brothers and sisters in Christ. Men who seek to lay their lives down any chance they get for their brothers and sisters. And realize and understand that Jesus is the most important thing. And so as they serve, no matter how big or small, it is significant kingdom work. And what I love about this is, as much as Paul gives us these two guys as examples, they're never the true example, right? Jesus is always our true example. And Paul, even in this, even talking about Epaphroditus' sickness and how he was healed, says, man, God had mercy on him and also on me. Like, I love that perspective because he's still in prison, right? He's still in chains, but he can see God's mercy through keeping his friend alive. Like, man, there are so many mercies that we receive every day. If you're sitting in this room right now, you have received mercy upon mercy upon mercy upon mercy every morning, new mercy. If you're a Christian this morning, you have received mercy more than anything through the person of Jesus Christ. Because not only did Epaphroditus go on a journey to deliver a message, God sent his son here to earth to bring good news to a bunch of people who were dead in their sins, who were lost and far away. And like Rosie said, welcomed them with compassion. See, Jesus didn't almost nearly die. He ran towards death for you and me. Ran towards the cross. Gave up everything so that me and you might be free. Free from sin. Free from ourselves. To be able to love and care for others because that's what Christ did for us. Romans 5 says, whilst we were sinners, Christ died for us. Whilst we were enemies, he lavished upon us love and grace and mercy. He is our ultimate example. But like I said, the only way we can do any of this is to be reminded of that truth. Reminded of the good news of the gospel, who Christ is, and ask that the Holy Spirit might come and fill us and empower us to walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh to take our eyes off ourselves for a moment in love and care. And so if you're a Christian this morning, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Let's grow in our care and our love for one another in this room. Let's grow in our care and our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe, that, maybe for you, that's just getting to know someone in this room that you don't know yet. Maybe that's turning to someone and say, hey, how's, how's your faith going? I know we talk about a lot of things, but I want to know, how's your joy in the Lord? How can I be praying for your marriage? Is there anything I can do to really genuinely care and love and support you in this moment? As a church, I'd love for us to be known for a bunch of people, just the ordinary people that lay their lives down daily for each other, for those around us in our community, in our neighborhoods, at our workplace, at our schools. And if you're not a Christian here this morning, I want to invite you to come and place your faith in Jesus. To trust in a God who loves you, who cares for you, has mercy upon mercy for you. Who, even though you are far from him, ran towards you. Turn to him, trust him this morning. He wants to fill you with his spirit. He wants, he wants you to experience the joy and love of what it means to be a part of his family. Because he's given it all for you. Guys, we have experienced mercy upon mercy. 
And whilst Timothy and Epaph are great examples of lives worthy of the gospel, like I said, Jesus is our ultimate example. Let's walk out of here this morning, not just forgetting all this, but seeking how can I live in light of this truth? How can I be more like Jesus? And then ask the Holy Spirit to come and to give you opportunities to, to love and to serve and to care for those around you. Would you pray with me? Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Centre Church located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others. But please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.